Welcome to Core de Femme, the podcast for the femme perspective. There's an overwhelming and inundated male perspective that has been dominating global conversations on the human perspective since forever. From business to home life, education to reproduction, it's time to create more space for a femme perspective as we continue to shape the possibilities for a meaningful life. We think about the male perspective as that's who inspired the Bible, pioneered and structured our nation, wrote laws, governed laws, made money and allocated money, head of state and head of house. Even the female reproductive system was identified and named by a man, Gabrielle Fallopio, an Italian priest and anatomist. He coined the term fallopian tubes, which are commonly known as uterine tubes and ovarian tubes. But I think that just goes to show, like, as a woman, as a femme, our entire experience is often narrated by the male perspective. And we know that we need more female perspectives. All critical thinking requires every side to give an account because all sides paint a most accurate and complete story. So let's hear from her. Let's give her the mic. Let's give her a platform to tell her experience, her perspective, and in her own words, Welcome to Core de Femme, where her story is the story. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Core de Femme. This is Tiana speaking. And this is Melinda. We are at the very beginning of a brand new series. We're going over the book, The Four Agreements. Four Agreements. We love it. Me and Melinda actually almost bonded over this book when we yeah. initially met. Um, this is a one, I consider this book my Bible, and you yes. feel the same, don't you? Yes, yes. We we actually, my husband and I have been reading this in the mornings for many years. We keep revisiting it every couple of years just to refresh because it's so good and it's timeless. It's timeless wisdom. And this book, I, this, I'm, this is the fourth time I'm re- really actually reading it. Um, every, I get something new out of every single time I dive into it. Uh, mm-hmm. one, either one of the agreements speaks more to me during that time in my life, or, you know, the whole book is just like, get out of your shell, get out of your darkness and live by these agreements and you'll find heaven and, and just paradise and beauty in everything that you look at. Yeah. In your daily life. Like it's just simple and practical. And it'll change your perspective of yourself and the world around you and how you even live. Like, it's so profound. And it's the fact that it's profound and it's a weekend read, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an easy read. It's really small, you guys. It's what? Let's see how many pages it is. Like, a little over 100 pages. We both have our copies out in front of us. <laughs> and they're like dog-eared and tagged in notes. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. It's it's precious. So. Encouraging everyone as we start diving into this, we're, we'll touch base on the introduction here in a minute, but um, if you have the book, read along with us as we go through each chapter together. Um, it will change your life, I promise you. If you have read it already, read along with us again, because I mean, as when you read things together and share information, you're going to find different perspectives and you're going to learn more from it as we do this together. Yes. Like, I think this needs to be a book club at the hive at some point. Like we have to have a book club because people need to process this together. And it's just great. I agree. And even then there's, you know, this is a short read too, but the same author, um, 
Don Miguel Ruiz, he wrote books that go after this too. Like once mm-hmm. you're done, it's only a hundred and something pages and it's just so good. And you want to dig yes. your teeth into something even more delicious. There's the, um, the mastery of love mastery after of that. Love and the book of knowledge, mm-hmm. which is all about your mind and yeah. how, yeah, it just replenishes itself. It's incredible. They so are good. good, but we are just going to focus on the four agreements. Four agreements. Yeah. Yay. So to start us off on this new series, and this is just another four-part series. We just finished the 86 list, so this is our four-part series based on the four agreements. So just a little review. Like the four agreements, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. And the fourth agreement is always do your best. So each one of our episodes will focus on one of the agreements and we'll chat about it. We'll share our experiences of practicing these agreements and how it's been. So to start this off, let's do a little cheers. We have a fantastic bottle of rosé. Quaddy, Quaddy North. Is it Quaddy? Quaddy. Quaddy. Quaddy? Quaddy. One of those. I don't know. I buy <laughs> wine sometimes because of the label. So this is a cute label. We'll post it because this is cute. <laughs> I think 90% of people listening to this are saying me too because <laughs> labels are pretty. If it looks good in the house, it's probably going to taste good. Hello. <laughs> and then it makes a cute little candle bottle afterwards. Yes. So cheers, Tiana. Cheers, cheers to Melinda. this next series of shows. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> sip, sip. Sip, sip. Okay, so I just want to um, give a little note of who Don Miguel Ruiz is. I'm just going to read from the back of his book a little bit about him. It says, Don Miguel Ruiz was born into a family of healers and raised in rural Mexico by a curandera healer, mother, and a Nagual shaman grandfather. The family anticipated that Miguel would embrace the century-old legacy of healing and teaching and carry forward the esoteric Toltec knowledge. Instead, distracted by modern life, Miguel chose to attend medical school and become a surgeon. A near-death experience changed his life. Late one night in the early 1970s, he awoke suddenly, having fallen asleep at the wheel of his car. At that instant, the car careened into a wall of concrete. Don Miguel remembers that he was not in his physical body as he pulled his two friends to safety. Stunned by this experience, he began an intensive practice of self-inquiry. He devoted himself to the mastery of the ancient ancestral wisdom, studying earnestly with his mother and completing an apprenticeship with a powerful shaman in the Mexican desert. His grandfather, who had since passed on, continued to teach him in his dreams. In the tradition of the Toltec, a Nagual guides an individual to personal freedom. Don Miguel Ruiz is a Nagual from the Eagle Knight lineage, Eagle Knight lineage, and is dedicated to sharing his knowledge of the teachings of the ancient Toltec. I love it so much. I love it too. It's a very spiritual feel, but mm. I believe that no matter what spiritual path that you're on, this book applies to everybody. Yeah, truly. I mean, it's four simple agreements, like you stated earlier, that everyone can live by. And yeah. it's, they do sound simple. They're they're hard to live by and hard to practice. But once implemented, will change your life for the better. Yeah. And indigenous wisdom to me is like the foundational wisdom of the earth. It just is. Truly. It just is. It, 
our first peoples created those yeah we want to honor that and explore that so i'm excited to dive in with everybody so in the introduction um he really talks about this idea of agreements like what is an agreement right Mm -hmm. and he explains how these agreements are were part of our domestication how as children were raised a certain way to believe certain things and accept certain truths and that is our domestication just like we do with pets right like okay don't get on the counter but yes you can get on the couch in some houses it's you can get on the counter but not the couch you know it's like swapped around so how do you ever there is no right and wrong it's what is right there with you yeah and that's wild to think about there's a there's a quote in the book that says you know we we are domesticated like dogs and cats and essentially you know we once you get to an age in your early 20s most likely you have the opportunity to make your own agreements discover Mm -hmm. your own agreements figure those out but once you realize that like we never had the option we are who we are because of what we were told growing up yes from the very beginning we were told no don't do this yes good girl bad girl whatever it was Mm So I, you know, you go through this quarter life crisis in your twenties, like, holy shit, I actually don't have to agree to those agreements, if you will. I can make my own. I can just, there's other ways of doing life. There's other ways of looking at things. So which ones am I going to hone in on? Which ones am I going to explore? And that's what this book is all about. Like what's the healthiest way for you to be the most effective, happy, prosperous human being right and what are the easiest things to live by that can curate that lifestyle right i mean if you think about it too we're all part of nature you and i are part of nature but do we ever think like a tree needs to be told how to be a tree no does your (laughs) does does a wild coyote need to be told how to be a coyote there's so many instinctual natural things that we're each born with and we've just never been given permission to exercise them and live by them and discover them on our own so this book to me is too it's that invitation to look beyond what you know and what you think you know know or what you've been told is this is the way or the truth And it's just to consider that there's so much more that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And the possibilities are endless. And, and, you know, living by these four agreements and um, just putting into practice these good characteristics and just genuine, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. But if you practice these things, then your truth and your nature will come out and you'll be able to live your truth. Yes. I think um, the most, one of the most powerful statements in the introduction to that Michael and I were listening to and we had to stop because these this book is like that like you'll read a page and you're like I'll be back in a week (laughs) because I need to chew on that I need to process that for a while but it was where he said the real us is pure love pure light and I was raised very fundamental religious and that's not how you see yourself at all. I mean, you look in the mirror and you, you need to know that you are a dirtbag and you're a sinner and you're wretched. And so even just hearing him say those words to me, we, I felt it in my bones. Like, like it was a father telling me, I don't care what you, anyone has ever told you, you're my daughter. And I think that you're pure light, like tears streaming down my face, just accepting that I am pure light and I am pure love. You like, are. That is. And, and you exude that. You it just beams out of you and other people see that. And I think that's 
why I was so attracted to the person that you are mm. from the very beginning. I just Good knew. Good thing you met me when you did. <laughs> I don't think you'd like me if you met me about 10 years ago. That's okay. We're, oh. we're going to be 10 million different people kind of people. Absolutely. And I'm so thankful I met you when I did. <laughs> so grateful. So good. Okay. So should we jump into the first agreement? Are we ready to talk about this first agreement? I think we're ready. Okay. We are excited to go over all of this with you guys. So agreement number one is to be impeccable with your word. That one is crazy. It's Mm -hmm. so simple to be said out loud, but that one's really hard to live by almost all the time. Yes. So what the word impeccable means, it means without sin. It comes from the Latin word peccatus, which means sin. And the im means without. So impeccable is without sin. A lot of religion talks about sin and sinners, but understanding what sin is, it's anything you do which goes against yourself. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Anything, sin is anything that goes against yourself. Yes. Yes. See, that's powerful because when you hear that, that makes me believe that God's spirituality is within me because Mm -hmm. when, you know, I've been taught when you're sinning, it's sinning against your religion, your spirituality, your, your God, you know? So when you say sin or being impeccable or pectus, whatever Mm -hmm. is sinning is anything against yourself, that just, that just reassures me that God is within, you know, like I've got it. Yeah. I've got it. And that's the, that's my truth. That's my goodness. That's my light. And if I'm doing anything against that, that's the sin that I can focus on. That's what I can adjust and be aware of and move forward and learn from and do differently. Yes. And from that point of view, the concept of sin changes from something moral or religious to something common sense. So it's about accepting yourself and saying, I'm going to be responsible and accountable for everything I say and do. And it's not always going to be perfect, but I'm going to honor my own word. I know that sometimes it's hard to face our own words like that. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It really is. And I think this is funny story about me, actually. Mm. So being impeccable with your word is something that's been, I don't want to say new because I genuinely, generally like to think of myself as an honest human being. Mm -hmm. But I had to make a New Year's resolution for myself. I want to say it was like 2018 or 2017. I was early 20s. And I wasn't, I don't know, maybe not a white lie, but I was kind of a little bit of a fibber. Like I would say half truths just to make myself sound better Mm -hmm. because I was so insecure. And I noticed that I started doing it a lot, just like little things that didn't matter. But Mm -hmm. why did I do it? Because it, sure, it sounded better, but then I'd have to backtrack and remember those little fibs all the time, whatever they were, because <laughs> I would tell a story again and it didn't match up with the story I told before, whatever right. it was, and I'd tell the truth this time, right. and then everyone's like, wait, that's not what you said before. <laughs> so, it, and it was never really a big deal, but it was still wrong, and I knew that. Yeah. So I made a New Year's resolution, like no lies, period. No fibs, no exaggerations, no dramatizing anything. Just tell the truth and see what happens. And so that was... a four or five years ago now and I've stuck to it and it just feels really good and people like the truth you know I don't I don't have to exaggerate things to make myself sound better my life's crazy as it is and it's beautiful and it's colorful and there's great stories to tell out of it that are the truth and it's boring sometimes (laughs) it is you're right yeah 
Yeah, because yeah. you, you got to have the yin and yang to everything, the balance, the relaxation and rest. And then you have to have the go, go, go times and adventures and, and work. But yeah, all of it's the truth and all of it's beautiful. Yes. I felt like this applied to me in the sense of, I say, I used to say yes to a lot of things or say that I, I was going to join people in this certain thing they were doing. And I just wouldn't, I would change my mind at the last minute or, you know, just kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, let it go. Like it just didn't become a priority. It was more of like, I was, I wanted to be included in the moment, but when it came down to it, I didn't hold it in value. And so I just let it go. And then I realized that that was becoming a trend for me. Like when I started saying yes, people would say, well, you say it, but you won't. Like, and then I was Aww. like, oh shoot. Yeah. You've got on to me. Like, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. I know people that know me that are listening were like, Tiana's a flake. She's a flake. <laughs> Um, but, but all those people also know that I'm so busy. I'm so exhausted. And I've learned to, instead of just saying yes all the time, it's either let me process and get back to you or just let me think about it for a little while and I will get back to you as soon as I can, as soon as I can have an actual answer for you. Yes. Or I've gotten pretty comfortable with straight up just saying, no, I can't. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like my, uh, my new roommate, she's so sweet. She's, we've been wanting to pot plants for the longest time. Because we have a bunch of uh, propagations that really need to be in the dirt. And she's been asking me for like two weeks now. And she's finally, she's like, Tiana, do you want to uh, propagate and plant some plants tonight? I'm like, uh, no, I can't. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm really exhausted. I hope you understand. And she's like, I totally understand. No problem. You know? And that, that is actually more strengthening of relationship because that shows that you're you feel safe enough to tell the truth too, because that's a piece of it. I think sometimes we don't feel safe enough to be honest because we don't have maybe that trust with people or that relationship isn't sincere enough or authentic enough to even mm-hmm. go there. Like, can't, can I be free enough with you to, do I trust you enough to tell you the truth Yeah, without yeah. thinking it's going to hurt your feelings or anything like that? <laughs> Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And it, you know, it goes insecurity in the relationship with whoever you're talking to and insecurity with yourself. I mean, with me, with me, it's always like, is this person going to like me if I say no? Are they going to be mad at me? I'm always worried if people are going to be mad at me, but I'm getting better. It's not that important. And if they are mad, then they shouldn't even be in my circle. I should be able to say no. Right. Right. So, yeah. So the other way being impeccable is um, he talks about um, talking, like your words having power. And I've, you know, if you're religious at all, you've grown up knowing that, yes, your your words have the power of life or death, right? But it's so true in the sense of um, issues like gossip. He talks about it in a sense of poison. Like when you speak ill about yourself and about other people, you are poisoning yourself. And that poison is being spread to other people or it's just being regurgitated up into yourself. Like that's recycled, right? But that's how he sees the being impeccable with your word is to only speak power to yourself and power towards other people. And I love that because it's such an issue sometimes with Mm -hmm. women specifically. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, that. I think that after the year that I set that New Year's resolution for myself of not fibbing, Yeah, I think the year after that was no more gossip. Mm. And I think that's something that I will always struggle with if I'm being honest, because gossip can be 
a lot of different things. Mm. And I always try to, I do catch myself as often as I can. I, I say in my head, is this kind, what I'm saying about this person? Mm-hmm. And is it true? Mm-hmm. Did I hear it from somebody else? Do I know for a fact that it's true? If it's, if it's not kind, is it true? Right. And is it necessary to be spoken? Right. So if it doesn't fit any of those three things or all three together, I shouldn't be saying it. Right. Period. Right. And even if it is true, is it really your place? Do you, do you have permission to share that about someone else? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause they could have told you something that was so heavy to them and confided in you and it is true. You know, it's true. And you decide to share it with someone that it's not necessary to be sharing it for. What's the point? Yeah. Just besides gossip. Right. That's not fair. That's, that's poison. That's, that's poison, poison to you. Poison that to makes yourself. you, yeah, that makes you look terrible. That makes you the bad guy, you yeah. know, when you're sharing someone's private information that wasn't necessary or permitted. Yeah. You're breaking trust with other people and you're breaking trust with yourself. Like you're telling yourself, I can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like I know that's crazy to me. It, it, exactly that. I know when I, when I'm listening to someone gossip about someone else, I immediately think, I wonder how they talk about me when I'm not exactly. around. Exactly. Exactly. And that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, another thing with that though, is that I've come into a place of understanding what is it about me that gives people the freedom and the safety to feel like they can talk about other people in front of me? So I, I t- look at myself, self-accountability here of like, okay, this person keeps telling me about other people. Why, what is it about me that's giving off the energy of, I, I'm a good listener for that kind of stuff. Do I not stop it? Do I, have I not made myself clear? Or am I just a willing vessel for that? Like, what yeah. is it about me? Where do I fall into that, you know? And that's a really good point because that's something I really wanted to ask you is when people are speaking to you about whatever it is, how do you hold people accountable to be impeccable with their word? If this is one of your core values and you believe that the people in your sh- your circle should also have that value, how do you how do you hold them accountable? You know, with... With my children and I, and in our family, we have a rule that we don't talk about people if they're not in the room. If we have an issue with someone, let's wait till they get home. Let's wait till they're here to talk with, and let's talk with. Like that's, we don't talk about, we talk with. That's kind of in our home. And then you move into like work and business, and then you have to have conversations about other people because sometimes you're overseeing several people Mm -hmm. or you're a part of something where you have to evaluate situations. But I think there's a way to do it that can still be um, filled with integrity and honor, um, giving people the benefit of the doubt, Um, but also think that you have to have a really close circle of a friend, someone that you can be free to say, this person hurt me. And to have an evolved friend that says, that can help turn the situation not towards that person, like, what did they say? Who are they? What are they all about? But it's about saying, what is it about the words that hurt you? And then turning the focus back on the person who's hurt, saying, how does that make you feel? 
Why do you think that that hurts so bad? What is it do? How can I help you in this? Rather than taking that situation and pointing your finger at that person, like remembering that it's about an issue. It's about a feeling. It's not about a person. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that quote that I'm sure a lot of people have heard that whenever you're in conflict with another person, it's not us against each other. It's us against the conflict or the issue here. So, and I, I love that. We talk with not, about yeah that's even really if good. it's and this is just how we practice it in our house you know mm-hmm. it's just little trivial things like Dara didn't feed the dog last night and then I had to tell her blah 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 and I'm like how did that make you feel well it feels like I have to do it all the time right and then I'm like okay so let's talk with Adira later today I'll help you have a conversation with her so you can tell her because you need to speak this to her And I think that is how we help each other. It's not about, oh, he's gossiping to me about a sister. It's about how am I helping him communicate these feelings to her. I'm going to assist him. I'm going to be that mother and that host of unity. I'm not going to be, well, you should tell Adira this. And I can't believe she did that either. Like, I'm not going to have a bitch session with my son. Yeah, you don't need to be the middleman either. You know, that's not your responsibility. But it is your your job as a mother and a friend to say exactly that. How how does that make you feel? And how can you talk to Adira about this? What's a healthy way that you can talk talk to so-and-so about this issue? And have you ever done that with any of your friends? Like been a mediator to conflict or been, you know, you said, we say we were put in the middle of things, but that's an opportunity or it can be totally. And, um, I, I love helping. I, I love asking questions. That's kind of my jam. Yeah. So when, uh, I, I'm blessed enough that people do feel safe enough to come to me and talk about things and not necessarily to gossip, but to process because Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how to process. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to ask you the right questions to ask yourself. To ask yourself. Yes. And yes, because I don't, I don't know the answers. I don't know the advice to give you, but I can definitely help you figure out what to do. Right. Because Because, you have it in you. And that's the, that is exactly the first agreement. It's to be impeccable with your word. It's not about holding people to a standard of impeccability with their word or what you've heard them say or what has been said. It's you and your word. So that's another thing that I love about the four agreements is that it keeps turning you back to yourself because Mm -hmm. that's all you have control over. That's your only representation of your faith. It's yourself and your behavior and your words. And this is how we show our light and our love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're using that power right now in this podcast with our words. It's magic, you know, and we can truly change people's lives with this. So in the famous words of Miss Wonder Woman herself, are we using our powers for good? Yes. I love it so much. You shared that with me a while ago and that has just truly stuck with me. Yes. Yeah. That's what she does. She does. She, when she like captures a villain and it's always some cute lady in a costume or something, right? She captures them and she doesn't kill them. She doesn't obliterate them, but she goes up to them while they're bound and says, it seems to me we could, you could use your powers for good some way. You know, that's beautiful. That is her opportunity to say, you can do better. How else can we use this power? Because it's supposed to be used in some way. And I've had a lot of women um, just in different groups I've been in, you know, have 
anger issues or, um, yeah, anger issues, <laughs> rage, mm-hmm. things like that. And I think that's typical. And rightfully for women. so. Yeah. Rightfully so. But my biggest thing with that, when I hear women talk about how they need to subdue it and this and that, and I'm like, but don't forget that that's there for a purpose. Right. Because not everyone gets angry about injustice. So if you are, you need to know that that's for you. And if you channel it in the right way, that's your work. Don't try and stuff it down because someone told you somewhere along the way that it's too much or you're, you're, that's, I mean, take it from me. That's something I wish I was more of was a little bit sassy and heated in times <laughs> you know I I don't have a problem sticking up for others I will put my foot on someone's neck if I need to if mm-hmm. that means someone I love is in danger mm-hmm. or whatever but when it comes to me I'm just like okay do whatever right. you want but right. I wish I had that fire in that heat that was just like excuse me I did not deserve that take a right. step back repeat yourself change whatever whatever the case is I, I wish I had that I wish I had a little bit of that spitfire and rage that's in me. crazy because I was at lunch with one of my best friends today and we just talked about this the fact that we were never this way towards ourselves it wasn't until we had our children that this mama bear instinct came out and we were like oh no you didn't mm-hmm. right like yeah you're not going to touch my child you're not we become so protective and this fierceness rises in us after you have children that we were like why weren't we this way about ourselves why do we care more about our kids than we do to our own health and safety too you know yeah like shouldn't it be the other way around shouldn't we yeah. learn to protect and love and fiercely defend ourselves before we bring another life into this world and try to well, care it's for difficult it, when no one teaches you how to do that that's true you know we've got to learn on our own and sometimes we don't even get the opportunity or the permission to learn that until 20s 30s 40s yeah as you know yeah you know? So. so that element of maternal like that's a piece of it it yeah. is a mama bear instinct so don't you dare discount it or silence it or squash it or try to squeeze it in a small hole because it's it's meant for something. Yeah. It's meant for something good. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like I said, we don't get to, we don't get taught how to stick up for others with our words mm-hmm. um, by other people, but we do through experiences. Yeah. And I was never taught to stick up for myself. It was more of a children should be seen and not heard environment, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts. But I'm lucky enough to be 11 years apart from my little sister. Hmm. So mama bear really came out when she was born. I was 11 years old. I was just coming into myself, you know, getting my female body parts. They were starting, they were getting there. (laughs) So I was, I was a lot older, but I just had this tiny thing to care for. And of course I was built in babysitter because I was 11 years older, but I, I think I'm lucky enough to have gotten my motherly instinct when I was 11 years old. So that really stayed with me. And I, I am a very nurturing person. I love being the mom of my friends. I am the mom. I will cook for you. I'll clean for you. You can come stay at my house whenever you need. And if you have trouble, bet your ass I'm going to be right up front defending you. Right. Always. Right. Always. I love that. Yeah. I love that about you. Thank you. (laughs) So So what I do love about what he says um, on page 21, he really invites you to live a life of joy. 
Um, he talks about this idea that everything's fear-based that we live out of sometimes. So even like telling the truth, if we are struggling to tell the truth, it's because there's a fear there, right? So he says, if you, you have to find the courage to break the agreements that are fear-based and claim your personal power. The agreements that come from fear require us to expend a lot of energy, but the agreements that come from love help us to conserve energy and gain extra energy. Mm. So identifying like, am I speaking this out of fear? Is this a scarcity mindset? Is this a fear of like being misunderstood or not being right or feeling foolish or what is the fear, you know? Yeah. And that's a tough one too. And he, he, he talks about in the very beginning of this chapter that this agreement is the hardest one to agree to and to live yeah. by. And I think that's it right there is it's so hard sometimes in this world that we live in to tell the difference between fear and love because people will mm. tell you that they love you oh and they God. want to care for you <laughs> and feed you fear, <laughs> you know? So it's very, very difficult to decipher where your words are coming from, where your thoughts are coming from. You have to take the time and the effort and the work to dissect what you're about to say and what your thought processes are before you speak Yeah, to live by this agreement. So that's, that's why this is so hard. Yeah. This, that's something that I say often <laughs> whenever I say, you know, you think back about old relationships where you thought you were in love, whether it's friendship, like, oh, I love you or family or mm -hmm. whatever. But when they say, <laughs> sorry, when they say, I love you, and I'm thinking, oh, I have no doubt that you love me. It's your version of love <laughs> right. that I don't really find to be all that pleasant. Yeah. I think there's an understanding of what love is that to some people, well, this is how I love you. And I can say, well, that's not very loving. It doesn't feel loving. And they're like, well, this is how I love. Okay, well, you get to do that. So you can take your love and you can keep on walking with that version of love because right. it doesn't work for me. Yeah. It doesn't. And it's really cool to be able to have that place in my life where I can finally say, okay, that's a version of love that I don't really jive with. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not healthy to me. What a difficult conversation to have with somebody. <laughs> you know, truly, because... Yeah. Two people are going to have two entirely different versions of love. Yes. And as much as they could possibly love each other, if they don't speak the same language or speak the same truth, how that, that would just be a very hard conversation to have. Yeah. You know, and I'm some people, I, I haven't been in the past brave enough to say that, you know, I'm just, I just want to love people. And if they don't love me in my language, I'll put my language on the back burner and love them in theirs. Yeah. You know, so... But I'm learning and I'm practicing yeah. saying no thank you or yes please when it fits me and aligns with me. And and yeah, like I said, that's like you said, that's the hardest part really. Because that being is... Being brave enough to... That's the ongoing relationship, whether it's with ourselves or with each other. It's a journey. A relationship is not static. Like it's going to bend and flow and weave and we're going to all change so while we're all bending and flowing and weaving and changing, can we all understand what values we have or what our version of love is? You know, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to have in place. <laughs> yeah. So with speaking of 
how hard it is to keep this agreement. What about it is so hard for you? Like where, like, what are you practicing? What are you working on to be impeccable with your word? Or what are you, where do you know you need the most improvement? Um, well, my, my biggest improvement is probably in the second agreement. <laughs> okay. Second or third. Um, mm. but this one, it's like, I feel like I've gotten tough skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more impeccable with my word in the fact that I'm going to tell you the truth. And if and she a, does everybody in and case you were wondering, makes you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> like it's okay to say that it's okay to say, this makes me feel uncomfortable or this really hurts my feelings that you would say this. Mm-hmm. And we can keep talking about it because it's the intention isn't to hurt. The intention is to communicate and to communicate means it's going to get uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I used to take it personally though, when people could not, they don't have the capacity to respond to difficult conversations because I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just naturally wired for difficult conversations. Um, so I would take it personally, like I'm too much. I'm just over the top. I'm just too harsh, too bold, too, all of these twos, right? But that is human nature. We are complex creatures. We really are. And if you can see that as an adventure and a mystery, then you're going to have a lot better relationships in your life. You're going to be able to love people better if you can see them as an adventure and a mystery rather than too much or not enough. I really needed to hear that. Mm. I really, really did. That is beautiful to me because I, I am going through a situation in my life at this moment where someone is not communicating with me Mm. and I don't understand why. And I'm Mm. taking it personally and it's killing me and it's making me sad. And it's this sense of grief really right? because someone's just choosing not to communicate with me and I don't understand why or why I'm not worthy. And I keep thinking that and that is something I need to not take personally. If I'm willing to communicate and this person is not, then it just, it just is. Just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not worthy of communication. It doesn't mean that I don't deserve to be communicated with whatever, however you want to word it. Yes. I don't need to be taking it personally. Right. And, and that's hard. So I, that I really needed to hear that. It is. So we're going to dive into yes, that okay. next week because but, that's a great one. But it ties perfectly to being impeccable with your, with your word because to me, it has to start with speaking your truth. Hey, when you say this, it makes me feel like this, right? And that makes me feel like I'm being impeccable with my word because I'm not going to talk about you to other people. I'm actually going to talk about you to your face and in your own ear, and I'm Mm going to dial you up and whatever. But at the same time, I've had a lot of instances where I've responded in questions or, Hey, can you tell me more about this? What you've said about me? And I get left on red, left and right. Mm -hmm. Like I, there are so many messages of people who just don't have the capacity to communicate that I would take it personally. But that's another, that's another level of the agreements that moves beyond being impeccable with your word. So I'm just here like saying, be impeccable with your word. You need to say what you need to say. And, and not taking personally, yes, is the next step, but at least, you know, at Mm -hmm. least when I can let it go at the end of the day, I know that I've been impeccable to myself and to my word and to what I know I'm prompted to speak in the moments that I do. That's really good. And that's all we can do, right? Yeah. 
And, you know, in that same kind of full circle, you can be feeling unworthy that, you know, that you aren't worthy of being communicated with, or is your truth worth speaking? Mm. I I think about that a lot. Mm. I think that's my biggest struggle in being impeccable with my word as, you know, in the past, I've been a little bit of a fibber and I don't want to be that way at all. So I, but I still constantly question, is my truth worth speaking, Mm. you know? And that's, that's something I went through last year, you know, coming, coming out to my mom and saying, mom, I'm, I'm in love with a woman. Yeah. That was terrifying. Wow. And was it worth sharing, you know, or was it going to be worth sharing? Yeah. And th- that fear, I am sure, overtakes a lot of people and is overwhelming. And But it is always worth it. Your truth is always worth speaking. Always, I always. Never th- I never thought about that. Like the courage it takes to go there and to say and to speak your truth. That you are living the impeccability of your word. Like you're living it. That's amazing. That's just amazing. And if you think about how many people have not gotten to the point to be able to say that out loud, you know, for fear of their friends or family or any other reasons that I clearly know nothing about, but there is such a freedom that you have. And Mm -hmm. that's because you're living your truth. You're living it. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for saying all that. There's the, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> the, the quote, um, St. Francis of Assisi, he says, preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary use words. Ooh, I like that. Michael read that at his mother's funeral because she never went to church, but she was the most Christian woman I have ever met in my entire life. And I grew up in the church. Like this woman loved people endlessly, um, unconditionally. She supported her kids in anything they wanted to do. Like she was a friend of mine. She was an amazing woman and I adored her. And for him to say that about her was like, oh yeah, she never once claimed a religion, but she lived it and never mention scripture at all. Like there's so much of that in you, Tiana, that is just, you live it, you speak it. You're just this light and love. And yeah. Thank you. Mm. I don't even know what else to say (laughs) besides thank you. That means the world to me because I didn't, I didn't give myself permission nor have the opportunity to live my truth for a very long time. Mm. And I, you know, with this whole season of my life of only speaking truth and when necessary and being my true self and telling people about it, it feels really, really good. And it's, it's still terrifying. Don't get me wrong. Uh, especially when meeting new people and inviting Mm -hmm. new people into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I feel a lot lighter. I'm scared, but I feel lighter. Well, there's an energy that you exude when you're being your most authentic self. And you have that, you're living that. And so that energy creates a sense of safety around you. And I feel like that's why people are drawn to you. And that's why I'm drawn to you. (laughs) I mean, I am so drawn to authentic people and I'm just like, I get your messages and I'm like, oh, it's so great. Like, that's what you, that's who you are. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. So that was being impeccable with your words. That's the first agreement. And for anyone listening, I would also ask you that question. 
What does it mean to you to be impeccable with your word? Do you feel like you already are? Maybe self-eval time, right? Like (laughs) where in your life could you improve on being impeccable and speaking to yourself in truth, speaking to others in truth? And where can you let old habits go? You know? And are you speaking from fear Mm. or light? And how do you know? Yeah. And how do you know? That's, That's the hardest part. Sit in that. But it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are looking forward to talking about the next agreement with you. Which is, this is my favorite, don't take anything personally. And this is his little quote about it. It says, nothing others do is because of you. I'm going to say that again. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. (gasps) I love it so much. That just feels good hearing that. that, that That one agreement has been the most liberating thing for me, where I feel like I've stepped into more expansive reality of myself with full permission, with full love and light and acceptance of myself. Like that's, that agreement is truly, and yeah, (laughs) truly that one, that one's was probably my, is probably my biggest one too. And and the most, uh, has had the most effect on my life, uh, Mm -hmm. struggling with anxiety and depression, uh, practicing that not taking Mm. things personally because I am such a people pleaser and I think that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from is not being able to meet others needs yeah especially when they're upset with me or they're doing something that's affecting me Mm -hmm. but when I stop taking things personally and just let them do their thing and take a step back and watch and see how it plays out they're like oh I'm the one being stupid (laughs) okay (laughs) I need to stop being so aggressive or Whatever the case may be, you know, if I just take a step back, watch and let them figure it out, you know, and stop taking it personally. Yes. I feel like it also, I don't want to spill too much about our next episode, but (laughs) I also feel like it was a gauge for me to look at my own life and say, what am I doing that is looking for a response? Yeah. Because if that was feeding me, whether good or bad, feeding me in some way, what... Why am I doing this? What was my intention anyways? Was it just to do it to do it because that's what I wanted to do? Or was it feeding me in some way that now is poisoning me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's an so interesting good. take on it. That, that'll be cool to dive into next yeah, yeah, week. Yeah. Oh, you guys, this is such a good book. We could talk for hours. But we will see you next time. Yes. Thanks hear, for Hear joining. you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.